Welcome to the You Can Be Unstoppable podcast. My name is Ewelina Szczoblewska, your host and certified hypnotherapist. In this podcast, I will share with you how to tap into the power of your subconscious mind. I intend to share with you how learning how to use the power of your subconscious mind can help you to create successful an abundant life with ease, how to connect with yourself while fostering a healthy relationship with your body and mind. Tapping into the power of the subconscious mind will help you to learn how to manage your emotions, become more resilient and present in all of your relationships. Self-love and self-worth are the keys to the kingdom of success and abundance, to happy and healthy life on your terms. My today's guest is Laura Martin, and thank you very much for coming. I'm really looking forward to this conversation and see where it takes us. Me too. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Amazing. Um, glad to have you and I want to start with sort of introducing you to my audience a bit and I know that you uh, work with your clients on trauma on helping women to reclaim themselves the body the wealth the way they see themselves their femininity because I think we kind of lost that a little bit I know I have in the past so can you introduce a little bit of what is that you do and what how, what happened that you decided to work on trauma with your clients yeah so I'm not going to take you through the whole story of how I let yeah. it <laughs> let's go back to my childhood let's talk all about it no yeah. um well that's probably where we should start <laughs> right? like, let's go there let's process it all um but no I was 24 years old and I was at one of those rock bottom moments I had mm unexpectedly lost my mom to addiction at 22. I had sexual assaults. I had domestic violence. I was very into drugs. I was 45 pounds underweight. I was very unhealthy, over-exercising, under-eating, a lot of hormonal imbalances, a lot of GI issues. Just my health was really declining. And it was in that moment where I just had a physical altercation with my partner at the time. And it I was contemplating my life and, you know, sitting on the porch and, you know, there's two options. You either continue down the path that you're going and it has a shorter expiration date that you like, or you do something different. And I knew I didn't want to die. I knew I just didn't want to keep living that way. And so I did the hard thing. I got my butt off that floor. And I would love to say that I left that relationship right away, but I didn't. I was the stereotypical, took me seven tries to actually leave that relationship and get the help that I needed. But I did enroll into health coaching school and like getting my Mm -hmm. certifications and doing that whole thing, which gave me a sense of purpose, which helped me understand that there's thinking beyond my own. And when I started to take care of myself was when I started to respect myself a little bit more. And then I got myself into Al-Anon and I did the 12 steps and I got myself off of like all of the things that were happening, but in also a very extreme way. 
So I got very obsessed with health. Like I became very orthorexic and, you know, working out twice a week. And then because of all of my health issues, I was very afraid of my body. And I thought the more strict I would become, the healthier I would be. But that's not how our bodies work. No, you kind of went went from one extreme to the other. It was just trauma response living, right? Like now that I look at it, but I didn't identify with the word trauma. Like I remember specifically, I was sitting in my naturopath's office. I had built this six-figure company around health coaching, speaking at hospitals on stages, traveling around, doing all these things. And I was like, why the heck can I not heal myself? Like, I'm so good at this. Like, what the heck is going on with me? She was like, well, my sweet little flower, (laughs) do you want to talk about how you know, your depression and anxiety are linked to all of your health issues. And she identified that as trauma and what have you, but I wasn't at that space yet. And I was like, no, not really. Because what now I teach my clients, because when someone says, do you want to look at your trauma? We often think like, oh, I have to go look at my shadows and I have to look at, I have to drudge up all the things that I've been actively out running. Like I know I'm running from them. I don't want to look at them. There's a reason I'm running. I'm not, I'm not denying the fact that I'm running from my problems. I'm doing it intentionally. Like, and so that's where like my, the way that I help my clients is very different is it's more about getting safety in the present to build resiliency for the future. I had no idea about any of this. So I started my career with everything around nutrition and IBS anxiety is what I specialized in. So the gut brain connection, polyvagal theory, which if you know any of those things, they lead you to understanding trauma and your nervous system and what trauma actually is and how all of my health issues were because of what had happened to me. And And I hadn't actually released those emotions from my body. I just transitioned them into something quote unquote healthy. So I transitioned them into making money and getting very fit. Neither one of those were actually satisfactory to happiness and fulfillment and purpose and alignment and down-regulating my nervous system to actually be in this feminine receiving flow. It was like enough was never enough. And so really what got into trauma was studying that. And then I came back to the States because I was living in um, Thailand for about six years. Mm -hmm. I came back to the States and I built this company and it was very successful, but I was so unhappy. Like no matter how much success I had and how much significance and how many people I was like, I'm not happy. My life That's like external. I mean, yeah, that's, I, I, many of us misses that is external happiness. What happiness comes from exactly. within. Exactly. And like, anytime I had a quiet thought to myself, I was like, world wouldn't really matter if they missed me. And I'm like, that's a weird thought. Like, not that it's weird if anyone's having those thoughts, but like my, I had such suicidal ideation stuck Mm. in my nervous system. And I was like, this is not what I imagined my life to be. Cause I thought, oh, if I have the influence and I have the income, I would be happy, but I didn't have relationship. I didn't know how to be in partnership. I didn't know how to receive love. I didn't know how to rest. Like I did not know how to take a vacation. I would just travel places, but I'd bring my laptop and literally carry it with me. Like it's a child. Like it was, it was not an actual, if I look back in my like early mid twenties, like there's no like memories and significance, you know, like I had helped hundreds of people and I had made an impact, but in my own personal life, there's not much. You know, it was like, great, you made money. Cool. Like, what did you do with that money? Like you drank it and you ate at restaurant. Like there wasn't anything beyond that. And so I started to look at these things and really looking at the way that I had built my business and these copy and paste and funnels and automation. And I was like, I don't 
like this. Like this is not, again, this is not satisfactory to me. And so dismantled the whole thing, transitioning into trauma for entrepreneurs, coaches, teachers, things of that nature. What I was personally going through being like, I need something where I redefine what wealth means. And so it's not just money and what have you. It's like, what are your relationships like? How do you feel when you wake up in the morning? What are you, are you running through checklists? Or are you actually engaging in your life and making memories and, you know, feeling alive in it? And so really helping women do that <laughs> because it is like how we were just talking, like a lot of women build their businesses specifically the way men do. And it's very like fast paced trauma response. Let me prove my parents wrong. Let me outrun my trauma. Let me somehow find my significance. And then we wonder why we're not satisfied or that we have the impact and the income and like we hit these plateaus. And so long-winded version of that's my story. (laughs) (laughs) It's so powerful what you said, because it underpins so many of us in what you said, because we are anxious, we overdo, we overcommit, we overproduce, because we live in a man's world and we try to pretty much be a, a female version of a man where we forget that actually that feminine power is what is going to create that happy, joyful, present way of being in relationships, in the way we do the business, the way we show up for ourselves. And yes, for some of us, that means looking into releasing who needs to be released, all the trapped emotions and healing trauma. Because like you said, you know, I've done it too. I would run myself. And for me, I did it by hiding I hid in plain sight. I kept myself small in a shadow because that was my way of coping with uncomfortable emotions. And then I was wondering, why things don't work out for me? Why can I not create a happy relationship when I did everything not to be seen? It's so powerful what you said. And yes, and what you said as well, it's like, we need to be redder to look into it because it took me a while to unpack a lot of the things I've had sessions when uh, my coaches were like okay so we're going to look into this and this and I'm like no it's <laughs> nothing to look at in here like absolutely nothing like I don't know why you want to go there I'm not angry angry women what do you mean <laughs> I have no problem with anger <laughs> at all so it's like you have to be ready to unpack yourself I think that's probably a good way of putting yeah. And it's, it's like being ready to remember yourself too, because a mm. lot of times when we think of, oh, I either want to start a business or I want to pivot my business, or I want to have this type of relationship, or I want to have this type of body. We're like, can I get a copy and paste model of exactly what you did? So <laughs> exactly what your life is. And then we wonder why we're unsatisfied. And it's like, it's not about becoming anyone new. It's about remembering who you were prior to, and if trauma doesn't like, let me break down first what trauma actually is, because a lot of us disassociate from that. Trauma is the way your body reacts to an event. A lot of us think of trauma as what I told you, my big T trauma, sexual assaults, domestic violence, death, addiction. Like, yes, I did experience that, but those were just events. You know, it's the, I also have trauma because of a breakup. You know, I have trauma because 
I ate a food one time and got food poisoning and now my body reacts to things. I have Mm. trauma because someone scared me one time and now I'm like jumpy around spiders. Like there's, it's the way it's the stored emotion that is in your body, big or small, like micro traumas are a thing. We've all been through the pandemic. We all have things now that we're afraid of for reasons and anxiety is high. Like that's what trauma is. So you can interchange that with like states of arousal and things of that nature. But we, live our life, you know, pre seven years old, we were pretty open. Like we were learning, like all of, all of what we are right now is 95% of a cellular makeup of all of our experiences. So what we've been told, what we've experienced, who we've spoken to, like all of the things that we've been. And then we have that 5% critical thinking brain, which is that one that you have to intentionally switch on to reprogram Mm. your subconscious. And most of that happened. Like we are all just like human costumes running around and traumatized seven-year-olds trying to heal ourselves and self-protect, you know? So when you're saying like to someone like, oh, I don't like that person's personality, which I've caught myself saying that we all know people where we're like, I just don't really like them. What you don't like is their self-protection mechanisms. That's all it is. And so we're running around (laughs) building up these like narratives being like, oh, I have to become this person. I have to become this person. I have to go this way. I have to look this way. I have to dress this way. Like this comparison trap when at the core, it's remembering who you were as a child. Like for me, I was four years old. And I had told my dad when they like ask you, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was like, I want to change the world. And I was like obsessed with Gandhi and I would like stick things all over. Like, I don't weird thing for a kid to do, but obsessed with it. And I thought that meant like oh, I'm going to go change the world. So I thought it meant nursing because all the women in my world, like my parent, my mom, my uh, aunts, my grandma, all nurses. And then it was like, bring your child to work day. And I saw blood and I was like, absolutely not. We are not here for this. But like, I genuinely had that aspect of like wanting to help people. And I also wanted to be on stages. Like I was that kid that I would like throw box on the driveway and I would just be like, everyone look at me. I have something to say. And I would put on a show. But because of trauma and life events, like, all of that got put down, you know? Mm. So when we come into this, like, I'm shy or I don't want to be seen. And that was me. That's why I got into hard drugs because it gave me this false sense of confidence that I I knew was inside of me, but I was so afraid to actually let come alive. Cause I was like, Oh, like if that comes alive, I'm going to get in trouble or I'm going to be cut down or whatever narrative had was built into my nervous system. And so it really is like looking at these things and being like, what can I dismantle? So I can remember that playful, joyous, adventurous version of myself that was there. It's not about becoming something new. It's just remembering who you were. Absolutely. And we all create a number of identities over the years who masks who we really are. And a lot of the identities we took on because as we were growing up, like you said, our parents told us that we need to behave this way or that way, or this is what is expected of us. And then we go to school and we engage in relationships and all various relationships. We go to corporate world and then they tell us how to be. And there's another identity. And we picked up something from school and it's about being curious into, okay, is this identity, those beliefs, is this me? Is this really serving me? Is this narrative, the story that I'm telling myself, is this helping me in what I want to achieve here or is it actually hindering me? I think it takes a huge amount of courage to do that, 
because we may bumped into part of ourselves that we ashamed, that we afraid to look at this pain that we may have to process. So I think it is really important, but it's also very difficult path to take on for a lot of us because we are afraid. Would you agree? I know a thousand percent. I think the scariest thing is dismantling the masks that you created because what that means, like there's a quote, I forget who said it, but it was like the greatest act of rebellion is being oneself at the risk of belonging. Mm-hmm. Because all of your masks, you now have a community around that. You now belong to that. You're now surrounded by people that know you for that. So, I mean, you know, for me, I don't up and suggest everyone give up everything and move to Asia for six years, but it's still stepping into that. Like there is that, and this is what reverts us back to our old behaviors because there is, and that one sacred pause where you are going to be alone as your life transitions. And maybe you've already started to do this slowly and you're kind of weeding out. And this is why I love mentorship and masterminds and group programs, because as you're making that transition, at least you have your friends on the internet that get you and then community in the world eventually Mm -hmm. will catch up. But a big reason, at least I don't, maybe you see this with your clients as well, but like a big reason with my clients is like, well, what if I get rejected? for the new way of thinking that I have and, or the new way of who I'm becoming and this softer version of my, like for me, like being so open with my emotions, it does put some people off. They're like, you feel everything. And I'm like, yeah, how cool is that? Like, I will throw a temper tantrum. I will cry. My face will start leaking because I'm so happy about something like very in my feels. And I, a long time in my life, like my family would shut that down. They're like, we can't handle your emotions. And so I shut that part off of me where now I'm like, I'm emotionally honest. Like how rare is that to have? And it's this like beautiful thing to witness in other people, but yeah, you got to be like, know that it's okay. And being resilient within those moments, because eventually the universe source, God, whatever will match you with the people you want to be with, Mm -hmm. get you into the arenas that you want to go into, but it's this fear of rejection and rejection means disappointment, which is women's core wound, men, it's shame and guilt, but it's like identifying these parts being like, but is that entirely true? Like, am I alone? Is this actually rejection? And is it okay to be rejected for something that I'm not even, that's not me, you know, like I'm okay being rejected for the old version of me that you thought I was. But if you're rejecting it's like that conundrum, right? Like, do I reject myself so I can belong with you or do you reject me so I can actually be my authentic self and being able to differentiate which is more important to you? There's so much <laughs> in what you just said. I don't even know where to go, but um, fear of rejection is huge. And fear can absolutely stop us in our tracks just like this. And like you said, for us women, it's massive. But that's what the stories that we tell ourselves is really important because if we bump into against fear, it's like, okay, but how do I know that I'm going to be rejected by those people? How do I know that I won't find new friends? Or how do I know that I won't find a new tribe, a better community that are more aligned with the new identity or the reclaimed, the true me? You know, don't just give an in to the fear because the brain will lie to us, trying to protect us. 
It will do everything. It will throw absolutely everything at us. And at the same time, it's so important for me to become more curious and practice self-awareness. Because like you said, you know, your family was shutting down that uh, extroversion, that happy, joyful, uh, expressive part of you. And then we create a narrative, a story in our mind that it's not safe to be who I am because then I'm getting rejected by the people that love me or they say they love me and I love. So clearly there's something wrong with me because it can't be them. It must be me. We naturally go into self. And then we've got this narrative that runs behind the scenes. And then we find ourselves 10, 20, 30 years later wondering why we are not happy mm. because we're feeding that unhelpful narrative that we've had for decades and that we for the most part mostly created in a childhood or the basis of who we are in a way obviously a lot of happens in between now and then and we have those micro traumas and responses to life and and people like you said but that's what I, for me the this practicing self-awareness is really important being also like, okay, well, why am I this way? Is this true? Is this helpful? Can I be a different way? Is this something that I can do about this? Yeah, that's where I think the confusion where like this self-love movement, you know, I think it's more so self-love is self-knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Like understanding, not even like root origin, like we do in therapy, like why am I the way I am and things like, like, I don't necessarily find that conducive. Sure, you can I mean, that's why we love personality tests and all the kind of things like people love it. But I think it's more important where it's like, can I notice when my body isn't feeling safe? And do I have the tools in place to get into safety, not to be like curse my mother and all the things, but like to be able to be like, oh, like I'm dysregulated right now. I wonder what that trigger was. And is there a way that I can expand my nervous system? Because everything that you're explaining right now, like that is our nervous system. Our nervous system has built up our self-protection mechanisms. Our reticulated activating system is constantly scanning the room. We 11 million things per second are filtered through our brain and our brain has to filter that out and it will choose what to take in based on our belief system, based on our lived experience of what is stored in our subconscious programming and seeking these things out. So if we want to expand our nervous system and strengthen our RAS system, it's going out and seeking these things that create a new sense of safety, create a new sense of pleasure, create a new sense of what do I want to do with my life and reprogram it. It's not so much going and looking at like, okay, I think this way because my dad did this and my mom did this. I'm sure that stuff will come up. Like that's just kind of part of the journey. You just learn about things, but it's more so like, I notice that when, for me, when I was healing my eating disorder, I notice when I start to get triggered into my eating disorder, the compulsions and all that kind of stuff comes up. The first part that happens in my body is I start to get um, anxious about the menus before I go someplace mm -hmm. and trying to control my food and things of that nature. And then I have to like catch myself before the behavior comes in, which would be restricting my food intake and getting very like serious about my food, which is not fun to go on dates with, let me tell you. And you're in that and what have you. So I have to be able to catch the feeling where I am getting miscombobulated about which food choices to make and then recognize most likely my blood sugar is low. And that's, I probably just waited too long to eat. And that's, that's the trigger behind it. 
yes, I can sit there and I can go through a spiral behind like, I am controlling about food and this is where my life is spiraling and da, 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 da. And then like realistically in my brain, I'm like, girl, your blood sugar is low. Like that was the <laughs> signal. Like being able to know yourself isn't necessarily this, like when we think of shadow work and shifting and nervous system and trauma work, it's like, that sounds horrible. I don't want to look at all my wounds and things like that. It's like, not necessarily just look at when your body gets dysregulated in the present moment. Do you know the difference between when you're in ventral, which is your regulated, healthy, connected state or sympathetic, which is your fight or flight or in your dorsal, when you shut down and want to detach and sit in the corner, like, can you play with your nervous system enough to know when that's happening so that you can start to actually generate some shifts in the pathways of how you've been living so that you can create this new, happy, delightful, joyous, feminine, orgasmic kind of life that we all want. It's so powerful what you just said. And I think this is so important to be looking at because we are so disconnected. Our mind and body, we do not listen to our mind. The mind is telling us exactly what we need, is giving us these hints and subtle signals. And I think that it's a, a pandemic, I would call it even, a pandemic of the world. We are so disconnected yeah. and we dismiss those subtle signals. And like you said, then we go into whether that is some unhelpful story or like you said, I'm just not good with food. I just can't lose weight or whatever that is that you're telling yourself. But if you actually stopped, shut the noise out and listen to yourself. I know that like if I'm anxious, I've got butterflies in my stomach. And I just know that I was like, all right, okay, I, there's something going on here. I need to stop and look at it because I know there's anxiety hiding somewhere because it's my stomach is going off. But it takes a minute to, okay, okay, slow down. What is my body telling me? Because they're so connected. And I think it's like listening to the gut feeling, the inner knowing, that intuitive knowing, the feminine, feminine kind of part of us, that we've got that instinct in ourselves, that we know that something is wrong. We can't quite place it, but it's like, I just know that this is wrong. I was literally just having, so I'm currently seeing someone and I was saying like something feels off in the energy and he's like, can you give me a more like specific thing? Like, and this is the thing, like having to have a conversation with a man about this. I'm like, it is just like a feminine, when you you clean yourself of all of this stuff and you stop like trying to mind map your way out of a whole bunch of things and you just feel in your body, which is a very uncommon thing that women feel nowadays when back in the day that's how tribes were met, like by the cycle of the moon, trusting women in their cycles, like this is what we're doing, they're leading tribes and direct, like that is how strong the intuition is, and it's like this one part of ourselves, we've we've gone very just linear, trying to look like men, especially in this feminist movement, trying to work like men, trying to be like men, trying to speak like men, like this dominated thing, and like when you become soft again, and you're Mm -hmm. like, actually I'm very connected to my intuition I can enter a room and I can be like this is not going to serve me today you know and like all these kind of things and you just choose where you want to put your energy of course sometimes you have to do hard things and you know I have to like sometimes pretend that there's just like a bubble vortex around me and I'm like no one's energy can me. especially I don't know if you're into human design but I'm a projector so like all my energy sources is open and I'm like I take on a lot of people's energy but I was having this conversation with this guy he's like, but can you be a little bit more specific? And I was like, I really 
can't. (laughs) I'm like, there's no other way to describe it other than like my energy feels really weird. Do you feel like having a conversation about that? And he's like, well, actually, yeah, sure. Like, and like, we kind of dove into it and I was like, it's just like, what I realized is like, even women that are closed off to this kind of stuff, it's like men talk to women as if they're men and women talk to men as if they're women. And like, there's this miscombobulation of like, we're two separate entities and we Mm -hmm. all have masculine and feminine energy and we all rush and we do these kind of things, but it's really understanding, like, do you have this intuitive gut feeling instinct and will you listen to it? Because how many times have we been like, I know this decision isn't right for me, the way that I'm building my business, this investment, this street corner that I'm turning, I knew I should turn right, but I went left because someone told me it was left and now we're in, we're lost. You know, like how many times have we done that? And that's when we start to lose the intuitive nature from ourselves because we're not actually listening to it. And that's so true. And you can rebuild it by slow and surely and with even tiny things like, even if you go to restaurants, it's okay, what is my gut feeling telling me that I need today in terms of food? So you, I can absolutely practice and expand. But like, it's quite unique to us as females. And I think, like you say, it's quite lost at the moment because we become so like men. We want to build businesses like them very with this masculine drive, do, do, and do more energy. Where actually when we lean back, and be more soft and feminine where all this creativity comes in. We show up completely differently in a world. And I've had plenty of examples when, like you say, we so up in our heads and we may think like, oh, but that decisions make solid sense if I think logically about it. But our gut feels like, mm, I don't know about that one. I know it kind of logically makes sense, but it doesn't feel right. And I'm sure your listeners and my listeners can, can come up with plenty of examples when you didn't listen to yourself and things didn't go well and vice versa. When you did listen, things went well. Like, you know, if you in a, you know, if got in a dark alleyway and you're like, something doesn't feel right here. <laughs> I better turn this way. <laughs> and you've got this because you can go, I can go through, through the dark forest. I, I'm not afraid of darkness. Yeah, but you can go into a lit space, you know, in a city somewhere late at night, and you go like, mm, "Don't know about that one," because mm-hmm. we do have this powerful insight in ourselves. And like you said, used to whole tribes were structured again around um, feminine power and energy with the moon cycles and earth cycles really you know we are part of one energy i'm definitely into human design you know and the whole energies that you know you preach to the choir so (laughs) but it is one of those things the thing that like helped heal my eating disorder like balance my hormones back out get my body into regulation and make good amount of money is honestly waking up in the morning and just asking myself what do i need what do i need today Because we go through this thing in the beginning stages of healing trauma or any type of really work. Because we're like, oh, like Tony Robbins has this crazy morning workout in like routine. I should probably do this. And this is literally what I did. I was like, what is Tony Robbins morning routine? I'm going to copy it and somehow think I'm going to become this wizard. And to be like waking up, cold plunge, do this, breathe like this, write like this, do this. And it was like very structured. And 
sure it gave me a sense of purpose, but it just was dysregulating my nervous system even more because if I missed one thing on that checklist, I had a bad day. So now it's like this practice of waking up in the morning. And I don't know if you get this question a lot, but I do where it's like, what is your morning routine? And I'm like, sometimes I will sit and just scroll on my phone in the morning. Cause that's what I feel like doing. And then other days I wake up and like today, I like went for a meditative walk and walked around and like the intention was to do a meditative walk. And then in the middle of it, I was like, I have a banging idea. And I was just like, voice noting myself the whole time. It's like, you go with what your body is telling you, but do you have that conversation with your body to even know? And if you want to practice with something, it's like, can you just start with the first thing that when you wake up in the morning and being like, what do I need to, or like, what does my body desire today? And like, is there a way that I can honor that? Like, maybe she's like, I want to sleep all day. And you're like, "Mm, we can't do that. We have responsibilities, but we can learn to lean a bit slower today. Or we can take like a lunchtime, like sit on a park bench or something like that. Like, is there a way that you can honor it and slowly start to expand your nervous system to get into communication with your intuition again? And for me, this is what self-love looks like, because I know you hinted before, there's like all the self-movement, but I think there's a lot of misunderstanding what a self-love is. Because for me, self-love is what you describe, is asking ourselves, okay, what do I need today? What is my body needs? What my mind needs? And for me, self-love is also having healthy boundaries in place, feeding myself with the right food, drinking the right amount of water, exercising. That is what self-love is for me. Yes, it can look like a you know bubble bath if that's what you want. But it's a bigger picture to that. It's honoring who I am with all the quirks and weirdness about me. Loving myself as I am, accepting, not beating myself with a very long stick for all the mistakes that I've made. Healing myself, asking myself what I need, meditating. It's again, it's what I need in order to show up the best I can and I think that's where the whole self-love is kind of misunderstood a little bit out in the world there's more to it than just bubble bath yeah and it's also like we think it has to be so complicated like when I'm working with my clients and I'm like just ask yourself what you want they're like I don't I don't understand they want to step by step. Here's what we do at 8 p.m. for like some of my best um, content when I was in like gut health was like because I'm very into like timed eating to regulate your nervous system and you know get your metabolism back in order. But like people love structures of this yeah. is the time you do things and this is how your content is what time you're supposed to post your content when you're supposed to wake up when you're supposed to sniff the color nine like. There's that's like, a masculine <laughs> energy. It's oh, so masculine. It's like, there's no creative flow. And yes, of course, we need masculine structure to have the create. It's like a the masculine is the glass and the feminine is the water. If we just put water and we were pouring water, it would spill everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you do need both. Like this is why it's so helpful to understand yourself in that way of like, where do I need structure to help me feel safe enough to then explore what it means to be me, right? Like we do need especially in beginning stages of trauma recovery, like routine is major because you need consistency to make, especially when you're used to chaos and things like that, like having a routine and stuff is fabulous. And then we do the scary thing. We start to dismantle that routine, but like (laughs) 
there's steps in the, in the way that, at least the way that I do things with clients, it's like we have our routines and then we also learn to break the rules a little bit so that we aren't clinging to them as another trauma response. And like looking at things like that, being like, how can I just like add pleasure and flow to my day a little bit? And that doesn't mean like, okay, I'm going to do my very strict nine to five and all the kind of things. And here's my schedule. And then at night I will take one bubble bath. And it's like, that is you're still doing the bubble bath. Like you're still in the act of planning all of these things. And it's like, can you receive, can you relax? Where, where do you actually like a thing I have in my phone? It's called Laura and I do it with my clients. It's a dopamine toolkit. And so open up your phone, note section on your phone, notice throughout your day when you feel relaxed. Right. So for me, I am very feminine in the way, like I am such a bougie human being where I'm like (laughs) candles and like all this kind of inset. Like I am so bougie when it comes to that or like setting up forts in my like living room and sipping on Prosecco and watching some Audrey Hepburn movies and like things Audrey Hepburn and like setting things up like that. But that's when I feel relaxed. And that's when I feel like my shoulders go back. So can you notice throughout your day, not cerebrally, like make a list of things when you you haven't done them yet, because sometimes we think that stuff actually relaxes us. And we notice we're actually just doing relaxing things, but can you notice throughout your day or throughout your week or throughout your month, the things that actually make you feel relaxed and you're like, I'm breathing deeper. I'm so present. I'm so filled with joy right now. And then put that in your phone. So on days when you are up in your head and you've noticed you've been breathing in your like upper throat the whole time, or like you've been tense and you've been fighting with your partner and having the same thing. Can you, cause when we're in states of arousal, we don't actually have critical thinking that 5%. We don't have that. We're just reenacting our subconscious programming. So when you notice that that's happening and you're being very habitual and being very responsive and reactive, can you go to that part on your phone and be like, Oh, okay, let me go do one of these things right now so I can go relax and tap into my body and actually like be like, oh, my nervous system can just be like, okay, we're done. Like this rubber band is about to snap. We need to like bring it back in for a second. And just like, it's the, it sounds so easy and I get you, but like it changes so much about how you navigate your life because you have that self-awareness. You have that self-knowledge. That's why I was exactly going to say, that's where the self-awareness comes and knowing yourself, how you operate. And in moments of crisis, what can you do to help you to relax? I know that I love doing, I don't know if you know about Wim Hof and his <laughs> ice baths. And so I've got his 10 minutes breathing exercise because just really helps me to slow down my breaths and deepen my breaths. And I'm so much more present and aware. It's only 10 minutes, but it all it does. And I know that I can always go back to that breathing uh, meditation it really helps me lots but I know that about myself that this is really helping me and I don't have to do it every day I try more or less you know make sure that I am fairly uh, consistent in in doing this but if I don't do one morning I don't go into panic (laughs) mode but it's knowing yourself how your body responses and what are your trauma responses as well? Because we are all very different and the way I responded to my trauma is very different to yours. But that's me. And again, that's where the self-awareness comes in. This is what I did. I understand what I do. And now I'm very good at catching myself when I go back into this hiding mode. As I, oh, okay, back up, back up. This is my old me. This is the new identity where I just naturally go into the shadow, into the hiding. Because it's easier. Mm-hmm. That's in a way that's the narrative the story I had in my head you know you're not being seen you can't get hurt no one can get to you mm-hmm. 
that's not helpful when you in a relationship you are building a business whatever that is hiding away from problems or issues or anything that may come up in your life but again this is me this is my trauma response this is my way of coping mm-hmm. which wasn't very helpful but and it's again it's like my brother was very different you know I've got two brothers and his trauma response was quite the opposite <laughs> he was like as opposite as it could have got so again we are all very different mm-hmm. but I've got one more question for you Based upon your experience and all the clients that you worked with, what would you say would be the number three things, aspects, ways of being that you can identify in order to create a happy life? Mm. One, I would say notice your patterns. Whatever Mm. it is, your pattern is your protections. Yeah. Notice, Notice them. And then to shift them, you have to interrupt them in some way. It's not just let me put a mantra on a piece of paper and therefore I will then be healthy and happy. Like that's doesn't work. Your subconscious is most likely pointing to you going, but look at all these examples where that didn't work. So you have to interrupt it and then you replace it, right? There's, you see this with like smoking, right? Like that's the first example that comes to my head. I don't know anyone that smokes anymore, but hey, (laughs) you see it with smoking where it's like, you can't just take away someone's habit. You have to replace it with something that gives them that same need that they're fulfilling. So if you're looking at things like that, it's like, well, it gives you a dopamine hit or it's a relaxation technique. So can you replace that relaxation technique with something else? And kind of looking at what is your pattern protecting you from? And then can you replace that with something that is more aligned with where you want to go again, coming back to the self-knowledge piece. And then, I mean, it's just noticing in your body, like I was talking about before, noticing the three stages of your nervous system. And when you enter into that, because that will be your first indicator of when your pattern's arriving and when you need to release it. Yeah. And I love this because everything that we do is a reason why we do it. There is a secondary gain and benefit. So even if it's, on a surface looks like a destructive pattern there's a reason why you're doing there's a pattern and there is a gain of some sort it's about identifying and interrupting those patterns I love this this is so powerful and this is why I definitely do with my clients as well Laura that was really good I really loved uh, our conversation um and we are not very different in what we do we just go about this in a slightly different way awesome well thank you very much for coming and I see everyone next week thank you Thank you for listening. If you found value in this podcast, I would like to ask you to leave a positive review explaining how this episode helped you to improve your life. I ask you to do this because this will help other people to improve their lives as well. Share and spread the love all around you. Raise your vibrations to improve your life. If you would like more transformational content like this, connect with me on Instagram. You can find a link in the description of this podcast and I'll see you over in the next episode.